Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Identity 3, a podcast all about identity and Web3. And I have the pleasure today of being joined by Del Millwards, who is the Managing Director of Approver. Welcome, Del. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me uh, today. Oh, appreciate it. Our pleasure. More than our pleasure, Del. Um, so, Del, let's kick things off. Um, can you briefly introduce yourself uh, and let our listeners know what drove you to starting Approver? Yeah, so uh, my name is Del Millward. I'm the, uh, the founder and MD of Approver, which is a qualification verification solution. And what drove me to start Approver was I was working um, on a art project. This was about, God, about 13 years ago now. Um, it was with the Liverpool Everyman Theatre in Liverpool. Um, we were fortunate at that time to work with another organisation called uh, Royal Deluxe. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Nick, they brought... In 2008, they brought these giant puppets to the city of Liverpool as part of the capital culture. Right. So we, we were there fortunate to be able to work on a, on a project with them. And, um, and so, yeah, so as part of that, we had to recruit um, artists to the project. Uh, and so how we did that, we relied on recruitment agencies, LinkedIn, social media, people's own website, et cetera, that they'd set up. And what we found uh, with that is that Lots of these people just didn't live up to the description that we were finding on the on the uh, on the websites and and those sources. So what we quickly realised is that all these sources rely on self-reported data, and so this left open for the for the artist to, uh, for one of a better term, embellish uh, their credentials to some extent. So that started my journey really about trying to find a solution uh, where um, we could find somewhere where credentials were verified. And at that time, one didn't exist. Um, and so I started that journey then to try and find a way out how I could actually do it myself and, and build something up to, to do that. Um, so initially I started with looking into how to do that for artists, but very, very quickly I realized that this type of um, solution had a much larger scope that went much beyond just artists alone. So Dale, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about, about what Approver does. Nick, what Approver does is it makes it easy for organisations to verify credentials and enables the individual uh, instead of the organisation to control their own credential data. And we do this through the implementation of a digital wallet. And then when either the credential has been issued from source or where the candidate has previously been verified using Approver, you as the employer and the candidate, then you're able to carry out that verification instantly. And it's without the need then for any intermediaries or any physical documents. Um, So that's what we're doing at the moment. We're starting with qualifications, but the scope for credential verification is huge, as as I know you know, Nick. Um, And so the number of use cases where this technology could be implemented is absolutely massive. So we will continue to look into how we can use that further in the future. That sounds great, Dale. And you started to touch upon some of the kind of um, the ways that you would go about solving these problems. But how would you encapsulate all of the the kind of problems that Approver is solving uh, regards credentialing and verification, Dell? The problems around um, credential verification and credential fraud are absolutely massive, Nick. Um, So we've done quite a bit of research and uh, there's quite a bit of research already out there. Um, You only have to put it into to Google to, to sort of find out. But we know that um, 85% of individuals lie on their application in some way. Um, and then 15% of all major alerts in candidate fraud are around academic achievements. And so both of these contribute 
to the financial impact of credential forward in the UK, sitting at around 24 billion every year. Um, and I think people don't really recognise the um, the impact that um, credential fraud actually has uh, on, on the UK. But also, basically, from, from a practical perspective, qualification verification is still generally slow and complex. It takes weeks to, uh, to complete still at the moment. I think one of the industry um, bests is that they put out that they do it within 3.8 days. It's still too long. It shouldn't take that long. And what we find is that it still heavily relies on physical documents. And so when these are lost, this process becomes really, really complex for the individual. And so what we found is that, um, especially in relation to qualification verification, is that employees are taking what they see at face value. And this then leaves the door wide open for credential fraud because people who are looking to fraud know that that's the practice that goes on. And ultimately, you, I, uh, anyone else who's an employer, we're not experts at being able to know the difference between uh, a real document and a fake document. And a lot of it is guesswork. Um, I, was, I was on a webinar the other day when they were talking about um, how to detect this. And the reality is, unless you're doing that day in, day out, you're not going to be uh, able to detect uh, the difference between a, a real and a fake document. But as I said, I don't want to throw statistics around because I think that's what lots of other organisations do. They, 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 they put lots of these statistics out, but don't really talk about what the impact on a day-to-day -day basis is for people using these existing processes. So there's the whole practical issues thing that, that, that needs solving. So I seen um, Prince William was on the, the news this morning. I don't know if you've seen that. He was um, at Pret-a-Manger, so Pret have the Pret Foundation. And what that does is it helps people uh, who are... And are homeless at the moment get into employment seems like an absolutely brilliant uh, scheme but what that threw up in my head is that when you've got someone who's homeless someone who may have these these skills um, and they want to be able to demonstrate these skills the likelihood is if they've been homeless is that they don't, don't have those physical possessions they don't have those physical documents to be able to evidence those credentials that they have um, and then that becomes a barrier to them to get an employment I know press are supporting it but the other employers may not be able to bypass that um, screening process. You've got people who've moved home from a practical perspective. You move home, everything gets put into boxes, stuff gets lost, stuff gets thrown out. When you come to look for it, it's not existent anymore. You've got young people who've came through the care system, potentially moving from pillar to post, different, different environments over all those years, and not able to keep those physical documents with them. That becomes an issue for them when they try to evidence them, uh, their credentials when they're going to work. The prison system is another example. Um, um, my background is working within youth justice, so we'd have young people who were coming out of custody to complete a lot of different qualifications while they were in custody, but then documentations wouldn't come with them, um, and they would lose that, and then they would have to try and apply uh, to try and get evidence of those uh, qualifications, and that could really be problematic at times. We, we also spoke to some students as well uh, who... Um, the process at the moment when you when you get a qualification from university is that a couple of weeks later you get a um, your certificate of your, your qualification sent out in the post. This student had moved address um, within that period, never received their certificate, and that throws up two issues really. One is that the certificate had been sent to an address that they no longer lived in, so there's an opportunity for someone to get hold of that and misuse that certificate. But ultimately, what they had to do then is then get back in touch with the awarding body. They then had to produce evidence 
um, that they were who they said they were um, to be able to get another copy of their certificate. So it's, it's a real, real, real problem. I also just pulled up some articles, Nick, as well this morning while I was uh, while we went to come on this call about some of the issues that occur because of um, fake credentialing. And some of these headlines where, I mean, you've got things like a woman who faked her way to being a, a doctor arrested over multiple deaths. Uh, 85 fake university websites taken down in five years providing fake uh, credentials for, for uh, individuals. A pile of faked CV and lied with flying experience to get a job at British Airways. Um, convicted fake interpreter worked on 140 court cases. Urgent checks after fake psychiatrists practiced in the NHS for 22 years. There's lots and lots of issues there. These, these, these should never have happened, Nick. They should never be allowed to happen. And I think this technology um, has, the, has the potential to solve all these problems. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And it's interesting uh, hearing you speak uh, there, Dell, as well, because there's quite a lot of there's a lot of stuff that is good to pull out of um, what you mentioned. I think some of those are maybe around, um, I guess, micro credentials. So where there's maybe not been a a really long formal piece of education where you might get a diploma or a degree at the end of it, but like you were mentioning, the young people who have be undergone some skills training. Um, in custody, for example, those are still skills. And so if they, they can be captured in some way, even in the form of kind of micro-credentials that, that they can then store. I mean, everyone pretty much in the UK has a smartphone these days. If these can be, be captured and held and controlled by them in a wallet, they can be used to demonstrate that that person has, has significant skills in a specific area. There may be a benefit down the road and, and obviously may, may benefit an employer if that person decides to turn to work. Um, that's one point. The other point I was thinking about was <clears throat> the, the the level to which um, fake fake degrees and things like that exist. Uh, we, we've run a couple of articles ourselves on the diploma mills that exist. I think you mentioned the 80-something-odd websites that have been shut down. And these diploma mills are, are t- generating billions of, of uh, dollars in revenue a year. So it's definitely a big problem. And I think because we're all trying to work at such scale today, um, that's why services like yours are, are good because like you say, employers either don't have the 3.8 or 3.5 days that it takes to verify manually. Um, and so sometimes they can take shortcuts because they're trying to do such a massive volume at times that, they, that it's very difficult for them to stay on top of it, which of course is great for you and Approver because that's a real market need that you guys help solve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Nick. I mean, at, at that point you make, I think the BBC did and um an investigation into diploma mills a few years back now and, and the, the, the scale of use uh, within the UK alone was absolutely massive and scary really and with it, yeah, if, you, if you go on the internet within a matter of minutes I can have a university degree, I can have a phone number where someone can phone to, to get a reference for me, I can have an email address where they can email to get a reference for me. It's so easy to be able to evidence, um, well to fake a credential um, at this time, um, and it, I think it's unfair for employers to be able to have to, to to be the ones responsible to try and siphon out which ones are real and which ones are fake. So there needs to be some sort of technology in there to support the employer to make sure that that makes that much easier for them. Yeah, agreed. And I think we've done a great job of explaining the the, the kind of scale of the problem that exists. Uh, it's even frightening for me to hear you talk about it, Dell. Even though I know a lot of what you're saying already, it kind of makes you realise the scale of the issue that that we're all facing. 
Um, so uh, this brings me on to my next question, which is how do verifiable credentials and the, the technology surrounding it, how do they help solve uh, some of the challenges that you've highlighted? We've touched on a couple of other points already, Nick, as well, but what enables you to do, it allows you to verify the credentials from source, um, which, you, which you, you can't do currently. Um, you have to do a long-winded approach, so you'd have to prevent um, evidence, uh, maybe in about bills or passports or et cetera, to be able to get that information from source. Again, it's a really long-winded process, but with, with this technology, you're able to do that instantly. It also puts individuals in control of their own data. That's one of the biggest barriers at the moment is that you gain a, a qualification and you're, you're not able to evidence that you own that qualification, which seems absolutely bizarre um, to me that you would put so much expenditure and so much time into something that you, you know, you're not able to evidence yourself. It also makes that data incorruptible and it eradicates qualification fraud by doing that. Uh, and that's a big thing, um, I think. But ultimately, I think one of the, the main points it does, it enables trust. Um, and, it, and it enables trust in a way that's not been possible previously. Um, so one of the examples I always use is, um, I don't know if you remember this, whether it was, whether it was a, a, a run out, um, at your time, but there was a, a record of achievement they used to do at, at, at school. Um, it was a, a, like a leather-bound ballot, a bit like the um, This Is Your Life folder that used to, that used to have, yeah, so it was a red-bound book. And I had lots of notes in there from your teachers and I had your record of your qualifications on paper slips that went inside it. Now, that that solution that the, the government came up with at the time, it failed miserably. And so they did a review into why it failed. Um, although one of the reasons was is that it was a static document um, and therefore um, you couldn't add to it or if you did add to it, it was self-reported data. So that was, that was always an, an issue. 80% of employees that they spoke to, they didn't trust the contents and therefore they didn't accept it. And so I think this technology can solve that issue. And I think a big part of that, Dale, is of course, like having having that these these credentials signed as well, isn't it? So that when a, a candidate, for example, maybe um, applies for a job, for example, they can present a, a verifiable presentation. It could be a proof of employment or it could even be a some educational attainment and what they're presenting to the employer is a digital thing that has been signed not only by the issuer, could be the university in this case, but also by them. So that when that uh, that employer um, reviews that credential, they can know exactly who issued it and exactly who it was issued to and, and when it was issued, which I think as you were saying, makes it extremely powerful because you can trust the source um, of that data um, and you can basically remove all of that kind of manual verification steps that exist with kind of more hard copy or PDF type documents. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you touched on the point before of micro-credentialing. So there's a lots of uh, companies, lots of local governments, lots of local authorities who do lots of in-house learning. Um, and they're really difficult to, to evidence. Now, if we start using this technology to evidence that, it's really, it, it would make um, the future employer really assured that the credentials that they uh, are presenting uh, reflect what the um, candidate actually has. I agree. And the final thing I see as well is that, <clears throat> that the part where the individual controls and, and kind of almost like manages their own credentials in their own wallets, that's actually a really powerful security feature as well. Because today, if you have a a centralized platform where all the information about individuals is held in one place, 
that can often be quite a tempting thing for a hacker to go and access that information so that they can sell it online on the you know on uh, the dark web or I don't know do some ransom thing with the the, the holder of the the company that's supposed to be controlling that data. But if you then remove it from that centralized location and move it to everyone's individual devices, then there's nothing. There's no real honeypot for those hackers to go after. So that decentralized thing and, and the the passing of ownership to the individual is empowering, but also it's a really nice security feature as well. Yeah, and I think I think one other thing to to think about with regards to that is that. It, it was around anyway, but it's certainly accelerated since the the pandemic. Is the is the rise in gig and uh, remote working, um, and so that um, that approach of trying to present physical documents to to an employer becomes even more incredibly difficult and risky. So if you're you know looking to send them through post or send them through email where they can easily be manipulated, this technology enables you to do that in a safe and secure manner and in a way that an employer can trust. Brilliant. So next step, we're going to move through kind of the, the problems and um, about the generic uh, power of verifiable credentials to help solve them. Can you tell us a little bit more specifically, Dale, about how a prover's solution works? Yes. Yeah, so I'll just take you through a step-by-step um, uh, way it actually works, if that's okay, Nick. So let's use you for example. So Nick gets off at a job. Uh, standard processes when you go for the job is that a background screen and is then carried out. Uh, you provide bits and bobs information. So what happens then is that the employer enters some basic contact details uh, for the candidate on the uh, approver dashboard. And then the candidate then receives an email link to approver. The candidate then follows the link, and completes the details required for the verification. And then on completion, of that verification, the outcome is shared with the employer via the employer dashboard and also uh, via an email as well. Um, in addition, the candidate will receive a reusable verified credential that they can add to their approval wallet. In the instance where either the credential has been issued from source or where the candidate has previously been verified using approver, you'll be able to carry out that verification and inform the employer instantly of that verification so it becomes a real a really really quick and instant process for them um it's very simple very straightforward as you see from there not not much detail to it and that's the whole idea really um we want it to be as uh, seamless and as simple for the employer to do that uh, as possible because previously that had been such a barrier for employers wanting to do that process and so you can probably see by that process, we, we took a candidate-led approach. And the reason we did that is that the research we, we carried out in, uh, when doing our pilots, it showed the frustration of the employers going back and forth, trying to gather the information for the existing solutions. Um, and it became a real nightmare for them. And so we, quick, we quickly realized that the person most likely to have the information about the candidate is the candidate. And so that eradicated that frustration for the employer straight away. And that process became more seamless. Yeah, it's a good point as well, isn't it? That I thought it was a really good way that you said that. The person most likely to have information about the candidate is the candidate themselves. And it's so obvious when you say it like that. But I think it's it's, it's obviously then getting information from them that's trust. Uh, you can trust, of course. And, and having, if they've got pre-verified information, uh, then that's really the the kind of jigsaw piece that, that kind of solves the puzzle, isn't it? And really enables that to run really smoothly. Um, yeah. Perfect. And 
again, more generally, Dell, like what impact do you see um, a, like verifiable credential technology and, and also a prover's own approach? Um, what impact do you see that having not only in the education uh, sector, but also within kind of workforce itself? There's a number of different points, I think, that that um, I think this this touches on. But I think the first one I, I cited was, is, and I touched on it before, is enabling graduates to evidence the credentials without the need for a third party. It still baffles me um, that you spend best part of 60, 70, 80,000 pounds um, in the UK and you get a paper certificate uh, that no one trusts. Um, that just seems absolutely bizarre to me. Um, and so uh, that would solve that solution straight away and allow them to evidence, straight, evidence it straight away. Um, it enables job seekers to get into work instantly instead of waiting for that long winded background screen. Ultimately, um, if all the credentials are verified, that employee uh, candidate could share that instantly and the employer could hire them as soon as that was feasible for them to do so. Um, we touched on it before about gig work and remote working. So it addresses the difficulty in screening candidates in that type of employment and allows them to evidence their credentials from any time, anywhere in the world. Uh, and for employers, it solves the issues around data governance as the individual holds and controls the data, which we, we touched on before. But ultimately for me, it just has the potential to make the journey from education uh, to employment a more sort of seamless and smooth transition. Um, it's really daunting. I don't know about you, yourself. I remember when I finished my um, degree and I started looking into work and you're trying to learn all these processes and how, you, how, you're, how you're approaching. It can be a real daunting time for you. And so this just makes that a bit more simpler for the candidates and allows the, the employer to, to hire much more quickly. Yeah, agreed. You can definitely be a lot less time kind of filling out the same. It seems it seems that you almost fill out the same information over and over and over again, doesn't it? I think that, I mean, we see verifiable credentials uh, from from um, as a provider, Dell, we obviously see lots of different use cases. Um, and a lot of the time, it's basically how do you reuse information that's already verified and potentially for another use case? How can you reuse that in something else to short circuit that that kind of frustration journey like so a big one is like uh reusing verified data for other information like how do i onboard onto this platform using information i've already provided somewhere else and i think that's what i remember from from starting out and trying to get a job it's the amount of applications i gave the same information to over and over and over again the monotony is 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 fairly unpleasant um so i think yeah you definitely have a, a much more um, efficient user experience uh, working with a prover and working with credentials generally. Yeah, and I, I think what you find, you say it's the, it's the same information, but what happens is, is that you get lots of organizations asking for very similar information in a slightly different format. So you end up having to rewrite it again and again and again or present it in, in so many different ways. Um, and what, you've, what, what we found when we've been looking around is that lots of people have moved to digital solutions, but they're all using their own their own digital solutions, which doesn't doesn't help the problem, actually makes the problem worse. Um, so we need to find a way for that to be interoperable um, yeah. and so that we can use it across various platforms in the future. Yeah, very good. And portable as well, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's having that portability. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so Del, why did you choose Doc? Oh, I mean, it, this is a simple one, really. So uh, when we we doing our research into um, how we're going to build the solution, we, we met with a consultant. Um, who looked into um, and did a lot of research into many uh, verifiable credential platforms. 
um, we met with lots. We met with lots along the way um, and met with yourself numerous times, Nick. Um, I think we, 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 we had you speaking with us over and over again um, as we asked all our different questions. Um, and lots, we were straight away, we thought, this this doesn't feel right. We, we, we don't see this is going in the right direction. We're a bit concerned about um, what they're doing with regards to solution, what they're going to be doing with the data, etc. But I think I think ultimately, I think when we when we met with with Doc and and you Nick and, and Mike etc., uh, we felt we were on the same same path. We felt we wanted to achieve the same outcomes, and we were very very comfortable. Uh, I I always uh, related to like when you buy a new house and you go in there and you just go, do you know what? This is right for me. I felt comfortable here. Um, and I felt very comfortable um, with the doc team, um, and that I say that's a lot down to to yourself and the team that you built there, um, because you were very responsive to everything that we we wanted and were able to answer every uh, question and were very transparent about everything that you were doing. Um, so we carried out some further due diligence then, and said we just we just realised that doc was the the right option to us, um, and say no any inquiry, no matter how big or small it was, doc was responsive straight away. Um, answered us straight away and said it was very transparent. Oh, great. Well, and we're really glad that you, you chose it as well, Del. And it's, <clears throat> I think, hats off to you guys as well that you've taken the approach where you are actually protecting the privacy of candidates um, because not everyone takes that approach. It, it can often be quite easier, or sorry, it can be easier to take the approach where you don't really care about candidate privacy. Those solutions already uh, can be built much more quickly, much with much less complexity, so that actually spend time working with us to build something that, that, that empowers individuals and makes them more comfortable with their data. Um, that's a harder thing to do, but now that you've done it, hopefully it's gonna pay off and I'm sure it will, where actually people will want to use your solution because it looks after them and it makes that whole process more efficient. So we're very glad you, you chose us. Um, and so, and I think this month, Dale, I think I saw, uh, obviously we've been chatting a little bit and I saw on your LinkedIn that the approver is is now officially live. I think September was the launch month. Um, so you're working, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit more about where they can find out more information about Approver and just uh, maybe some kind of plans, what are your immediate plans for the business? Where are you kind of, what areas are you focus on, focusing on, if any? Yes, yeah, so um, you can reach us on the website, which is approver.co.uk and that's Approver spelled A-P-P-R-U-V-R. Uh, Nick, if you wanted to share that so people can be able to see the spelling of that so they can see the, the link to that, that'd be great. Uh, and you can follow us on our pages, which is on X, on Facebook, uh, and on LinkedIn. Uh, and or, alternatively, you can just get in touch with me directly at del at approver.co.uk. Uh, with regards to our plans, we've just launched our direct to employer route, which will enable anyone who wants to carry out a qualification verification to go through that process. The dashboard is available there. You can submit that straight away. And we don't have any minimum orders. So if you want to do one verification or you want to do a hundred verifications, we are able to cover any of those requests. Um, and our next stage over the next six months is enabling um, issuing from source. So we're going to be able to enable um, awarding bodies, learner providers, etc., to start issuing digital um, and verifiable credentials from source. So yeah, that's something to watch out with in the next six months. Yeah, that sounds like a busy six months, Del. So, uh, and we'll, we'll happily be along uh, for the ride with you. So 
Uh, but listen, the thing that's all we have time for. Thank you very much for joining us today, Dell. Really enjoyed finding out more about Approver and, uh, and also finding out about the impact that you guys will have on the education and workforce sectors. But thanks again. Brilliant, Nick. Thanks very much. Uh, great to be on the journey with you.